Hello, this is Mike Van Meter. Welcome to Recovery is Possible podcast. I want to thank you for joining me, and you can reach us at our Facebook site, which is also called Recovery is Possible, or our website, which is vanmeterwellnesssolutions.com. This podcast exists to educate the public about addiction, remove the stigma associated with addiction, and offer help and support to those suffering from addiction. So today we're going to be talking with uh, Sharon Webster from Scotland, and this is going to be part two of a two-part series. And uh, Sharon, I want to thank welcome you to the program and um, let everybody know that we're going to be talking today about the programs that Recovery Dundee offers the community. Uh, we talked about Sharon and her history in the first part, and now in this part, we're going to be talking about, you know, what is it that Recovery Dundee does and how does that help the community. So, uh, Sharon, welcome. Thank you, and thanks for having us back on again. Um, oh, my I'm pleasure. Yeah. yeah, thank you. So, I, I want to, um, I, I, all the great work that you guys do, um, and I've, I've been looking at you on social media, I've been looking at you on, on YouTube, and for the listeners out there that are not familiar with Recovery Dundee, just uh, uh Google Recovery Dundee or uh, Google Sharon's name, Sharon Webster, and you're going to find a lot on online, uh, whether it be YouTube, uh, newspaper articles, uh, you know, different different types of uh, social media. And there's quite a bit. You've been a, a busy young lady out there working on the cause of recovery. And uh, what I wanted to do, uh, Sharon, is today ask you, so what is it that Recovery Dundee does in the community, and what what kinds of services do you provide for uh, for the people of your your community? So, Sharon, we'll just k- kick off with that. So, up until I think at the start of COVID, so you're talking the end of February this year, um, we what we hosted uh, social events. Um, we have like uh, support groups. Uh, we do art, music, different things like that. We're activists, and we work with media. Um, we have a support group online as well, and then we also support people individually and their families and anybody else that's connected to addiction, recovery, mental health, things like that. Um, after and during, well, during the lockdown and, and COVID over the last months, we discovered um, the people that suffered the most in that uh, time were young people, and the use of drugs and alcohols had spiked in the communities that we were in for them, and most of them are, atta- uh, like I said last time, uh, attached to people that are either long-term uh, drug users, alcoholics, or or they've had parents, grandparents, family members in general, and then obviously the wider communities affected them. So our, our direction is kind of changing now. We're working with uh, universities, which we've done for a long time. We do research with uh, Harlem University, Sheffield, and we work with the local universities in our city, which there are two of, and one in St Andrews, which isn't far away. And we're working with them to create social enterprise, which will uh, give employment uh, opportunities to young people and people in recovery. Um, we want to be able to sustain what we're doing ourselves so we don't have to rely on funding. I think that's the best way to go because um, the way funding works um in Scotland especially, um, like there was only 2% of the, the budget for overall for our area that was spent on recovery um, in, the, in the last few years. So um, 
uh, our vision now is to be self-reliant and, and the people that have been involved for quite some time will now step up a gear and they will start supporting other people. So it's like a pyramid effect, if you like. And yeah, that's that's the direction we're going is, is to support young people because of the problem of drug-related deaths, as I said before, is a huge issue in Scotland, but Dundee has been at the forefront of having the highest rate of drug-related deaths in the last few years. So um, there's many people working on harm reduction and, and working with people on treatment and trying to educate those those people on the risk. So um, we're going to the root of the problem now and we're, we're starting to, from the ground up. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, we've done quite a lot. Media has been a big, big tool that we've used to, to get the word out there as recovery is in its infancy, I think, in, in this country. And although people have got to grips with the concept, they don't actually know what it means totally, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. And uh, now you said that uh, uh, only 2% of the funding goes towards recovery. Is that correct? Uh, it has done. So we have um, what they call is a, an alcohol and drug partnership. So they oversee um, Tayside in general. So Dundee sits in that area and there's other cities in, in, that, in that catchment also. So the funding, most of it will go to the NHS, then it'll go down to the, the charities that are involved in supporting the NHS and they have done for many years. And then the rest of it will go to community groups and and projects that are, that are in the wider community. And yeah, when we done the Drug Commission report, which I shared with you, we discovered that only 2%, I think it was 2%, could have been 1% actually, but wow. I'll say two to be kind, was spent on recovery, which um, actually shocked me quite, quite, quite a bit. Obviously, in the last two years, I've got to grips with recovery and what that means uh, for the wider community and, and the fact that um, it's it's not funded in the way it should kind of upsets me. And I don't want us to be reliant on uh, very slim pickings. I want us to be able to be sustainable. I want the community to, to, to invest in it themselves because you know yourself, once the community invests in what they, they have in their own communities, then they're more likely to sustain that in other ways. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's been a, a. I think most of what we've done in the last three years, although we've supported hundreds of people, we've worked well with politics, like policy making. We've worked in politics, media. All these things have been great, and we've done done extremely well for having no funding. Like we've had none. So I think going forward, we've learned so much that we we can utilize that as like a, a giant pilot we've done in the last three years. I think and just adapting now to the the circumstances we all find ourselves in and finding other ways to address the the more serious issues of of what our communities face i think yeah and and i think it's fantastic that you're on social media and you're getting the media attention that uh you have in fact you've Mm -hmm. been to westminster and you've you've testified there and i think that that's that's important mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Um, now you made you know it's kind of interesting in my own journey in learning about Scotland that um, I, I've been doing a lot of research on on Scotland and if you're not in Scot if you're a listener to this program and you're not in Scotland I invite you to to look at the various YouTube videos that are out there on the the drug plight that's there um, I was really shocked um, to see mm-hmm. to uncover what I what I uncovered um, I did not realize. 
the state of recovery in Scotland and and drug overdoses in general. But Dundee is now, uh, unfortunately, the, the drug death capital of Europe. Um, that's mm-hmm. that's what I had read, and that was new to me. And there needs to be attention placed upon this. There needs to be more work, not less work, but more work, not just funding, but I think just a fundamental change in how people view recovery. And uh, so, Sharon, let me ask you, what is what is your view? What is recovery for people that aren't familiar with this and maybe listening? What is recovery and how do you help in that regard? I mean, for me, uh, my view on recovery has changed, obviously, as I've, I've, I've worked through my own recovery. Um, initially, I couldn't even answer that question because I didn't know what it was. But for me, I think recovery is, is the beginning of... Uh, people in, in Scotland, let's say, treatment is, is sold as recovery. So if you go to the drug service and you're medicated, and it doesn't matter how long that's for, like, you're in recovery... To me, recovery begins the day you leave treatment and the, the day that you start working on yourself. Um, it's, a, it's a journey of hope and it, I think that it's a long, long journey. It lasts at least five years and then you, you're working on it for the rest of your life, no matter what. Yeah. Um, I think it's the most important part of, like treatment is a huge, a huge part of, of getting somebody to the point of wanting to achieve recovery. But I think that the... The water has got so so murky w- with what recovery is here that people are so confused and they don't understand the concept that not many people are achieving that and it's it, it upsets me because I, I was great to talk to you initially because everything that I'd been saying for the last three years you just said fluently and 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 agreed with what I was saying. I made a point of not reading into recovery and trying to learn my own journey so that I could pass it on to somebody else. And I think that um, finding people that understand your vision and what that means is incredible because there's very few and far between uh, in this country. Pharmaceuticals are a big part of that. And I I think that um, even the, the people that have started out with good intentions um, for changing the recovery communities and re- changing people's view on recovery, even they have been dragged into the politics and, and, and their vision has changed dramatically. So, yeah, I think that um, the responsibility of that and recovery should land on the community as a whole. It's, it's everybody's responsibility to help people get into recovery because I think the things you can achieve once you come out of that dark place are incredible. And I'm, I'm testimony to that. I'm a single mother of four kids that uh, got to Westminster within two years of uh, of being in recovery. So if, if I can achieve that in two years and we can get all these people better or at least starting to understand the concept of what that means, then we, we could have communities that are thriving and that's just ha- not happening now. They're, they're, they're dying from the core. Like it's 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 quite sad, actually. Yeah, and you can't, and that's why that this is a, a community. It's why it's a national issue, and it's a it's a community issue because mm-hmm. uh, there's when you have a community full of people that are sick, uh, there's no way that that community is going to thrive. There's no way no. that you're going to make progress individually. You know, you as a person, but then 
collectively as a community. And that's why the community needs to uh, take an interest in this and, and understand it because um, they don't understand recovery. And I think here in the States that to a large degree, it's the same in, in the view in recovery. And that is that people think, oh, well, uh, you're in recovery because you went to a detox center uh, or you mm-hmm. went to a hospital. Or I've even heard people say, uh, on the alcohol realm, you know, in my area, the alcohol area, uh, you know, hey, I, uh, yeah, I'm in recovery. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, I, I go to AA meetings. And, and what I tell people is that that doesn't mean that you're in recovery. It does not mean that at all. Just attending meetings doesn't mean that you're in recovery. Uh, yeah. Going to a detox is not recovery. What people don't understand is what, what, what detox and going to hospital treatment, what that means is that's helping you to stop using that's helping mm-hmm. to detox you off of the drink or the drug or whatever whatever your substance is to get you off of that, to clear your head, to to heal your body. And by the way, that only gets you to stop and only heals a little bit. It takes about a year to a year and a half for your body to heal from uh, whatever drink or drugs you're putting into it. And then the recovery journey begins. And mm-hmm. then what the 12-step meetings or any other, or any other uh, recovery group that you want to be a part of, what they do is they they help you stop from picking up again. They don't mm-hmm. get you stopped. Treatment gets you stopped. But recovery mm-hmm. meetings keep you stay stopped, if that makes sense. And, yeah. and people don't understand that fundamental difference, that recovery is something that you do every day. It is long-term. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like how you mentioned the, the five-year cycle, that recovery is five years. It's five years. And, and actually, I do a podcast if if the listeners have not uh, listen to it. I actually do a podcast on what each one of those five years looks like, that first five-year cycle, but it doesn't end there. What it, what that mm. means is that but by after going through that cycle, you've gone through the physical development, you've gone through the emotional development, the psychological development, and, and you've healed. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then you work on your spiritual life, and then you figure out that cycle, and then you spend the rest of your life developing that. But we stay stopped. And, and from what I can see, Recovery Dundee is providing an environment for when people are trying to get sober or have gotten sober, having a place in an outlet that they can receive continued support. Is that is that mm-hmm. a pretty accurate description of what you guys do? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have people that are in, because the treatment is community-based here, we have people that are still in treatment that, that also come to the group who are um, connected with, obviously, people like me that are, are, are years down the line. And, and to me, that. That has to happen because uh, seeing is believing, uh, if, if you understand what I mean. And I think, oh that yeah, yeah, because because we because recovery, uh, especially in my city, is is so confusing for some people. Uh, we've had to do it that way; otherwise, we wouldn't get anybody into recovery, I and mean, we'd, we'd be trying to figure out this all on our own. But um, yeah, we. I mean, it's an environment where people can come and and just maintain the re- recovery. If the things aren't going well, then we can support them through that, like social issues, economical issues, whatever it is. Like we we do a bit of everything. So it's um I don't know. It's more empowering the community to to address their own issues. And if you're giving people the tools to do that, they can pass that on to other people. And that's exactly what's happening. So it's, um, yeah, I mean, we're developing every day, Mike. It's, mm-hmm. it's not, we, we, we don't have like a, a, a rigid structure at the moment. That's happening right now and we're changing direction. But yeah, essentially, we're just a safe place people can go knowing that they've got other like-minded people, people that are, are maybe 
I don't know, like people that have not been in treatment for, that people have been out of treatment for a long time, that knows know the process, know what they're going to experience, be able to help them through that, explain to them how they're going to feel maybe or at least talk them through things that, that, that they don't understand because you, you don't get that here. Like you're put out the door when you, you finish your treatment and you're never seen again unless you, you start using again and you'll go back to the, to the service. But there's nothing in between uh, that and go back to normal life. And normal life is very scary after you've suffered with addiction for a long, long time. Um, you, you you forget how to live and you probably haven't lived properly for a long time. So we're the buffer between community and treatment and treatment and community. So also like a safety net. So that if things do go wrong, you're not having to go all the way back into treatment. You you, you move forward, you keep going. So, and that's, that's happening as well. We have people that struggle and, and, and might, might uh, lapse or relapse and and we can help them maintain the momentum instead of uh, going all the way back to like active addiction they, they can move forward so yeah it's um it's been interesting and I don't know if we're doing it right but the people that we've got there are, are faring well and and they're getting better and they're functioning and they're working they're back at college they've got their family the kids and and for me that that's that's um, priceless, like seeing people like starting to live again and 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 having the relationships that they've maybe not had for many many years. So yeah. Well, you know, uh, you, you you say you may not be doing it perfectly, and you're learning as you go along the way. You know, there's a saying in recovery, and that's progress rather than perfect perfection. You know, mm-hmm. we're never going to have uh, progress, or we're never going to have perfection, rather. But um, that the fact that you're moving forward into saying, okay. Uh, you know, there, there's there's this big mess that we have going on here, and I may not know the answer, I may not know the direction, but I do know this, that if we stay where we are, we're going to die. We need to do yes. something, and we can figure mm-hmm. it out as we go along the way, but we know the w- one thing that is for sure, is, as you say, is that we need to move forward, and we need to do something. And that's the purpose of this podcast, that if there's someone in the community, if there's someone in Scotland, if there's somebody in the United Kingdom or anywhere around the world that's listening right now that can contribute and help uh, Recovery Dundee, then do it. If you don't like what they're doing, if you don't think they're doing it the right way, then suggest better ways because mm-hmm. that's uh, that's that's what we do in recovery is we keep moving forward and keep trying to get better and provide the tools in the hope to people that they need to have so that they can get better because addiction is about isolation. It's about yeah. um, withdrawing into yourself and withdrawing from society. And many people either, A, have a frame of reference in their life that they had at one time that they lost. I, I would say that that's, that's where I was in my, my own personal recovery. And I know, Sharon, you felt the same way in yours. But mm-hmm. there are others that never had a, a proper frame of reference ever they never had it to no. begin with so um programs like recovery dundee and and other programs in the states here can help people do that either refine your frame of reference or uh create a frame of reference and create hope for people and knowing that that life will get better i know this that when i got into recovery life couldn't do anything but get better because i knew this it couldn't get any worse mm-hmm. and you know, but you had to ha- be in a place where you you see other people that are experiencing what you've exp- have experienced what you have experienced, and then have it, achieved some sense of success in in recovery. You know, it's important 
when you're new in recovery to see somebody over there with a month of recovery behind them or six months or a year uh, or 10 years. So you can see, you know, it, it's possible. You know, it absolutely mm -hmm. is possible to do it because if that person can do it, well, then I can do it and then provide that mechanism to, to, to show people, well, here's how I did it. Mm -hmm. uh, and that sounds like that's the kind of work that you guys are doing. Yeah, definitely. I think that there's not many options in our city. And I think that, um, like you said, if, if we're not doing it right or we're not right for somebody that comes to the group, we'll find somebody else that is or at least put them, point them in the right direction where they can get support that's going to help them in that moment. And there'll be hundreds of facets. I hope in 10 years' time where the choice will be I don't know, like there'll be too many choices for people and they'll be able to figure it out for themselves because there'll be that many people in recovery, they'll see it every day, it'll be part of normal life and, and, and people will understand where, where to go and, and how to, to go about uh, starting that journey. But right now that's not the case. So, yeah, I'm sort of uh, stabbing in the dark, if you like. <laughs> but everything we've done so far has, has worked out really well. I mean, we've had some uh, rocky moments uh, on the journey that we've been, but I think that's uh, when you're developing anything, you're going to come up against that anyway. So um, we just carry on regardless, I guess. Oh, yeah. No, I, I've experienced that in my, my own journey, and that is when you come up with something new or you come up with uh, whenever you come up with anything new, this is not for the thin skin, that's for sure. Um, you're, mm -hmm. you, you put a target on your back and, and people are, are going to come after you and attack you. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, anybody that's listening to this podcast right now that is uh, critical of any of the work that Sharon is doing or I am doing and, uh, you know, th thinking that uh, they, they, they have any sort of negative thoughts about what we're doing, my, my question to people like that would be, but what are you doing? Yes, okay? that's, and quite, that's mine as well. Exactly. Now, you can sit and criticize me all you want, and that's mm -hmm. the easy thing to do, isn't it? I mean, that's the mm -hmm. easy thing to do is sit and criticize what I'm doing or Sharon is doing or any of the work that anybody else is doing. But here's what I know. Uh, we're trying. And yeah. you, have to, you have to check your motives. You have to, to ask yourself, why is it that I'm being critical? And if I'm going to be critical of Sharon or Mike or of anyone else, how am I contributing to the conversation? And that's the problem with society today. I know that's certainly true in America is it's very easy to criticize the people that are trying to do better things. And you can sit in the corners and throw stones and, and be critical. But the question is, but what are you doing to contribute? Because you throwing stones at me or Sharon does not help the situation. It does not help the situation at all. Um, so why don't you join the fight as, as, for, as opposed to being the fight? Why don't you join mm -hmm. that fight? And, uh, and I know from looking at a lot of the work that you've done in social media, that there's been quite a bit of that, uh, Sharon. What, what kind of resistance have you met, would you see? What kind of support are you not getting, and what would you like? I think for us, I think that, like I said when we spoke the last time, we've got generationals of people who are reliant on um, support from uh, council, from benefits, from uh, social work departments, things like that. And that has been the way to go for many, many years. And, and people have forgot that they've got the power to do things and change that themselves. And I think when you start to change things and you show people that what they thought couldn't happen can happen, then you come up against people that are um, 
resistant to that and and then also people that don't understand what you're trying to achieve and only see the the media side of it and the narrative that's put out like that then they and, and they don't actually know uh, what they're talking about sometimes uh, they will have an argument for it and 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 put it put that out there and there's no validity to it because they really don't understand what recovery is and what, what they're trying to achieve um, I believe everybody can change everybody's got the the power to change and, and it doesn't matter who you are and what you've done in your past that that's that's possible and I think that um, because we support we've supported certain people through different processes of uh, recovery and, and what they've had to face uh, in their, their journey um, we've come up against it because the, the some of the issues have been quite controversial as well and then uh, the politics of everything um, uh, also challenges what exists already so um, that shakes things up as well so that, that that's the kind of things we've uh, came up against I've also faced things personally and I think that um, uh, a strong, like a, a woman in general taking control of anything in a, a quite a, a male-dominated uh, world uh, kind of shakes things up as well and uh, upsets a few people. So, yeah, it's been an interesting few years, to say the least. <laughs> yeah, and I've, I've often said, and it, I've seen it to be true, and I know that you have seen it to be true as well, Sharon, and that is that... Uh, a that people can change, and and I have seen some remarkable transformations of people, and you know you know my background is law enforcement, and the the profession I'm from is not a trustworthy. I mean, it's not a uh, profession where we trust many people mm-hmm. at all that are that are outside of our our community, and in fact, a lot of times we don't even trust people within the community, but mm-hmm. um, we're not a very trusting group. That's for sure. And I will tell you that over the years at, at AA meetings, for example, uh, over the years, the meetings I've gone to, uh, some of my best friends and people that I would trust with my life are people that I've met in recovery. And these are people that have pretty checkered criminal histories uh, yeah. themselves, but they transformed, they got into recovery and they turned it into some of the most trustworthy people that I know. It is possible. Mm-hmm. I know that it's mm-hmm. it's possible because I've, I've seen it happen. And why all of this matters to the community at large is because even if you don't care about recovery per se, you know this, that for every person that is in, in recovery, that is clean and sober, and that has gotten well, that is somebody now that's in your community that has a job, they're productive, they're paying taxes to the government, they, uh, they are not robbing your house, they're not uh, brutalizing you, they, they are... Uh, uh, now holding down jobs and are productive in the community. In other words, for every person that is in recovery, this is less of a burden on the rest of your community. So it mm-hmm. is in everyone's best interest that everybody out there get into recovery and give it a shot. And that's mm-hmm. what surprises me is when I sit back and I look at communities, not just yours, but all of them, even the community that I'm in, this is something that it is, everybody should be pursuing because it is in everyone's best interest that everybody get well out there. And that's exactly what this is. Is we And we treat this as a moral issue as opposed to a disease issue because um, addiction is a disease. It's a disease of the body and the mind. And it needs to be addressed lifelong. Just like if you if you have uh, cancer or diabetes or I- any other illness, there's things that it doesn't go away. It goes into remission, 
but there's certain things that you have to do. And um, I think that's part of the issue, Sharon. I, I really do. Is I, I think that we can intellectually understand that addiction is a disease, but I don't think that most people truly believe that. I think they pay it lip service, and but they don't treat it as a as a disease. Whereas I know I do. I know that my own addiction. I I treat it. I have a daily reprieve. It's something I have to work on daily. It's not something mm-hmm. that, oh, I went to treatment. I went to a few meetings. I'm good now. Okay, uh, off we go. It doesn't work that way. It's something that you work on daily, isn't it? Yeah. I think that especially here it's treated as, uh, well, I, I mean, drugs and alcohol are, are, are separated here uh, to a degree. And uh, obviously people that use drugs um, are viewed as, as criminals anyway because they're breaking the law. Uh, most mostly, so some obviously use uh, pharmaceutical um, drugs, but they're, they're they're still using drugs. I think the the fact that it's not treated as a health issue and more uh, criminality, and it, this, the system of care here is punitive, then it, it already puts barriers up for people and 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 stops people then even trying to understand the concept of addiction or recovery because they they write these people off instantly and. Um, We've seen that quite, we've seen that in, the, in our recent past. Um, I spoke to you about um, my colleague who was in recovery for quite some time, and uh, his criminal past caught up with him. And he'd been in recovery for at least well, almost four years at that point. And we were we were um, sort of tried tried to be shamed into uh, not supporting him through the process of the court system and, and then prison and. Uh, for me, that it was a no-brainer. This man has worked for four years. He'd given back to the community. He'd worked well with people. He'd supported young people. He'd uh, got people back uh, and into living their lives again, and and invested a lot of time and eff- like he's uh, uh, his own profession and into doing that. And I, I, to me, it, it wasn't about his past or judgment or anything like that. It was about recovery and nothing else. And the fact that the the media portrayed it in a very different way kind of upset me quite a lot because it meant that the stuff we'd done in the last three four years hadn't had they'd missed the point totally they they didn't actually get the concept of recovery and if you're a criminal then apparently you're not allowed to recover in Scotland. Um, he got more media coverage than a serial killer. Um, somebody that killed over decades and and was brought to justice. He got more media coverage than a a, a man that had taken other people's lives. And his criminal past was in his youth. He was a teenager when it happened. And and, in his very early 20s, he's almost 30 now. So it it was a no-brainer for me. And I think that it opened many doors and questions for me that if, if he's one person that, that has a life like that, how many people have been marginalised and are not coming forward to get even treatment because of their past? And then they're dying because of that. They're essentially sentencing a whole group of people to death because they're saying you cannot and have not got the ability or, or we will not allow you the chance to get into recovery, like it, it, it scares me actually. And I kind of went back into Michelle and kept on the lowdown for quite some time, like for a few months at least, to, to really analyse the, the situation and, and trying to figure out how we can reapproach this better so that people can then really understand what we're trying to achieve and then pass that on to other people and hopefully get the message out there. But it's a, it's been a struggle and it upsets me that addiction 
and recovery are treated as the same thing here. Like they're, they're, there's there's no separation between the two and there's no distinction between the two. And I think that's our biggest problem because people get complacent in treatment. They're left there for many years and, and they're under the illusion that they are in recovery and they're getting better when in fact they're being in treatment for so long is just contributing to your addiction and and not getting you anywhere. You're in limbo for for we've got people that have been on methadone for thirty years here, Mike. I'm not yeah. joking. So it's, it's which is which scary. is addiction in and of its which I I don't understand because you're just perpetuating the addiction. You've just switched yes. to something else. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. And I think that I've challenged that like from the start and, and very vocal about that. And I upset quite a lot of people because because they've sold uh, uh, treatment as recovery in the last 15 years. And, and people think that they've been in that process. And, and, and me challenging that has upset quite a lot of people. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite sad, actually, that, that it's a punitive way of care. And it shouldn't be like that because you know yourself, like you need compassion, you need empathy, you need understanding. And you cannot get that if, if, you're, if you're being punished for, for being unwell, you know. No, and not only do they not recover, but now if they don't recover, then the behavior that that person was engaged in, whether it was sexual battery or robbery or whatever, whatever their criminal behavior was, they continue on with it. So not only it's yes. a, it's a lose lose. It's not only do they not get better, but they continue to victimize the community. And that's why I go back to saying that recovery is in everybody's best interest because yes. you want them to get well. Because you want them to get well. That's the human side of it. But even if you just want to look at it as a purely uh, community situation, the community is a better and safer place for each person that is in recovery. All right. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, for the politicians where they, they care about the tax base, you know, you want these people to have jobs and work. Why? Because then they pay taxes. So it's a win-win-win situation uh, for, for everybody. It's in everybody's best interest that, that people get well. And I like how you mentioned that being in treatment and, and being in recovery are not the same thing. Just like not drinking and drugging. Are, is not necessarily sobriety, and and, and no. it's a very similar distinction. I have people say to me all the time, "Well, I've I've been sober for uh, uh, five years, or um, you know, I, w- I was sober for a year and then I drank again, and things like that." And what I say to them is, "No, you, then that means you weren't sober to begin with, because people don't understand that not drinking and drugging and being sober are two very different things." Now, let, let me explain here for a minute, because that's that sounds confusing. Um, mm-hmm. Not drinking and drugging is not drinking and not drugging. It does not mean that you're sober. Sober is a state of mind. Sobriety means that you've embarked on a journey of your physical, spiritual, and emotional development. And you've Mm -hmm. gone through that path. And, and the reason why that's important is because once you've developed your, you know, healed physically, obviously, but worked emotionally, psychologically, and then spiritually, having that spiritual development, um, the reason why that's important is because what the reason we go back and we drink or drug is because th- there's trauma that happens. There's things that happen in our lives that make us unsettled, make us unhappy. Uh, for instance, I've never been to an AA meeting. <laughs> I've never been to an AA meeting, and you might be able to share, relate to this, uh, Sharon, mm-hmm. where somebody said, you know what? Um, hey, guys and gals, I, uh, I drank last week, and let me tell you why. I drank and drugged last week because my life is going so well, 
I'm so happy. Things are so fantastic that I thought I would go out and drink again. I've never heard that story. What I do hear is um, somebody in my family died. I lost my job. Uh, my daughter's pregnant or whatever. There's something that happens in their, their life that they're unhappy with. And they're, in their mind, their solution was to go back out and drink or drug. It's always because they're they're unhappy with something. And so when we get into sobriety and we work on that emotional, spiritual, um, and psychological development, that, that health, that helps us, it gives us tools and equips us to work on, through those issues, no matter what those issues are, and be able to work through those issues in a healthy way and not go back to drink or drug. And that's what sobriety is. It's a state of mind. It's a mm-hmm. spiritual condition that you get into. And um, going to treatment and going to a methadone clinic for 30 years is not helping you develop in those ways, is it? No, definitely not. I think, um, as I said before, initially when we had the serious problem with drugs and blah, 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 viruses in the city, the, the knee-jerk reaction was to use methadone and and and. I think it was very short-sighted back then that they thought that this would be an everlasting solution to uh, some serious problems. I think that um, that is changing, but I think that um, it's quite sad. And when I speak to people that are in treatment and I say, well, you're not really in recovery until the the last day that you you, you take methadone and you embark on uh, finding yourself emotionally, spiritually, and, and helping yourself heal physically as well. Uh, it's hard for them to even grasp that concept because when you're medicated in any kind of way, you're so di- disconnected from yourself. You can't even relate to True. that sentence. You can't even relate to that. And if somebody said that back back four years ago, five years ago, when I, st- I started longer than that ago in treatment, obviously, but uh, I, I wouldn't, I don't, I wouldn't even know what they were. Do- trying to explain to me it like uh, it would be so alien to me that and, and, and I'd only ever met one other person um, and she was my best friend she's been my best friend for many years and I'd only met her who'd actually achieved what we're talking about right now there wasn't any other examples and, and it wasn't visible in Scotland at all at that point and that's that's only going back five years so you can imagine how difficult it is now just trying to get people to understand the, the concept of both separating the two and and really getting to grips with the fundamentals of, of saying that well you do treatment and we'll support recovery and and, and trying to get them to understand that, that we will complement what they do and we will help them uh, support people in the way they do to, to get to them to the point where they're they're physically and mentally ready to then take the next step in that that process, but that it's been so hard even to get people to that point. It's 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 incredible to me that the understanding is, is 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 not great here, and it actually upsets me at times because it's put up so many barriers for people that people just give up. They just give up. They recite themselves to the fact that they're going to be going to a pharmacy every day to pick up medication. Uh, it's, it's, part, it's become a way of life for many people. And and I, I look at some people and think that they will never, n- never, never get to the point that we've achieved. And I'm very grateful every day for the, the things I have in my life. And I feel very sad that there's hundreds and thousands of human beings walking about, especially in Scotland, that will never experience half of, of what we've what we've achieved and what we've gained in our lives. And it, it's um, 
it's very humbling at times because I feel very lucky, very lucky and grateful. And and when you see other people achieving that and at least starting that process, it's um, that's very humbling also. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's quite sad, Mike, actually. It's a, a very dire situation here. And, and although people are doing a lot here and, and things are changing, it's uh, we're up against it, I think. And I, I think it's not going to change very much for at least another five or ten years. I think it's going to take that long to uh, unpick the 30 years that have, have, have built up behind us already, you know. Well... I think what you're doing is raising that awareness and that that's where it starts. You know, it, you go through phases and, um, you know, you think about the challenge that's ahead and the magnitude of the challenge and just think that, that, you know, you know, Sharon uh, in recovery. And I think that, you know, people need to understand this and why we talk of the spiritual development and when I say spiritual, I, I mean spiritual. I don't need necessarily mean religion. I'm not. I'm not pushing my form of religion, and I know you're not pushing your form of religion on anyone else. Um, but it does make you question, you know, why why you're here, and and why why is it that you were saved from certain destruction? You know, you were saved from your heroin addiction. I was saved from my alcoholism, and life is so much better. And you, it's almost like you're looking back. I, I know me. I, I look back at, at, at that time in my life, and it's almost like when I tell my story now, it's almost like I'm talking about someone else. It, yeah. It's like I'm not even talking. And you probably feel the same way. And mm-hmm. and when you come out of it, because you you so correctly said that when people are at that point where you're still drugging and using, when we get into these higher issues of spirituality, psychological development, emotional development, people can't understand it. I know I couldn't. I know I, knew I couldn't understand it at the time. That Those issues come later once the, the fog has been cleared and, they, and mm-hmm. they, they, they've gotten better and they've gotten their, you know, healed the body and healed the mind. That comes, you know, at first you need to get people stopped and then you start talking about the, the deeper issues. But once you've been saved from that, there, it's almost impossible to not look back and think that there was some sort of um, almost divine intervention in your life, and it was like, wow, I was saved from destruction. And then once you once you achieve that, then it's almost impossible to not go back and want to help other people have the same experience that you had. But it's somewhere along the line, somebody got you that message. Somebody mm-hmm. got sharing that message. Somebody got Mike that message. Sometimes it's long in the making. I know my own recovery was not overnight. My recovery took many years. In fact, I was I tried on and off for probably a decade before I finally got it. But I kept going and I kept pushing. And finally, the right person at the right time said the right thing. You know, and and here we are today. And it was it was a, a long journey. But I will tell you that this this monumental issue that you're facing in Scotland is not unique, okay? It's not. Mm-hmm. And no. one just has to look at history. Just look at the history of the United States. Alcohol in the United States was so bad, was so bad at one point. Remember, we had prohibition in America. You probably mm-hmm. remember that. Uh, yeah. In the 20th century, we had prohibition. It, it didn't work. You know, they, they couldn't they couldn't maintain uh, not drinking in the United States. But what it does is it shows you how bad the condition was that uh, the United States government said, we're just not going to have alcohol. 
you know, here. And mm-hmm. what it did was, um, and it's because we had a whole country that was just not producing because of the alcoholism was so bad. And think about how bad an issue would need to become before the United States Congress would say, we're just going to ban it. It had to have gotten mm-hmm. pretty bad. But out of that, and once prohibition was lifted and alcohol was legalized again, you did have groups that said, okay, we're going to have alcohol here, but we're going to do something about it because it, it, it's a problem. And groups like uh, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and then other groups you know, sprung up uh, as a result of that. And um, you know, so it would have been easy for the founders of AA, uh, Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob Smith, to have given up hope back in the the 1930s but they didn't they they kept pr- uh, pushing on and pushing on pushing on and they met a lot of resistance they met a lot of resistance in the early days and in fact in some circles they still meet resistance you know the the, the different groups that we have but you continue on and that's what we all do is just do our part um in this and so sharon what would you for, for anybody that's listening today and listening to this this podcast, and um, they are able to reach out to you or, or help you in any way, what would you ask for somebody listening to this program right now? What would you want from them? I mean, uh, uh, when uh, when anybody comes to us or, or, or wants to be part of what we do, I, I, I just ask them to, to be part of it initially, to find where their niche is, to find the strengths and, and find what they can offer offer or, or, or contribute themselves like uh, we uh, we don't ask for much really and it's taken us a long time to find people that have got the skills we need to keep on developing what we have so uh, if I was to ask anybody if they wanted to help or be part of what we do it would be just just to do that like, there's nothing else that we need I think it will develop over time and I think that the things that we need will come to us if our intentions are good and we carry on the way we have been so yeah it's that's quite a hard question actually like uh, if there was a millionaire there I would say like yeah you need to come and meet me and uh, help us create something amazing but that will never happen and it shouldn't happen either so yeah it's a uh, that's a hard question, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So being a part of it, I think that that's that's a big thing. Is just get yeah. involved. No, number one, and, and help. Not, yeah. Not and not even just with us. If there's somebody that's in a in a different country or in a different city, and they're inspired by what we do, then they can see what's possible. Then start doing it yourself. Like start something up. Start small. Do do your part for your community because. I think that uh, the best people to address the issues that we're talking about are the people that are experiencing them, the ones that have lived them, and the ones that have got past past them and, and through to a better stage. So I think the best people to do that and, and are, are the people that, that, that are living those experiences. Sorry, I'm stumbling a bit. But, yeah, I think that even if you're not local to us, then you can do your part and you can do it. Uh, in your way, like even if you don't agree with everything we're doing, then adapt it and and change it and and show us a better way, and we will we will be listening because we're open to that as well. Yeah, open to suggestions. Now, yeah, uh, yeah. How, how about um, anyone that's from the government that may be listening to this this program? Uh, what would you want from the government? I would want them to first educate themselves on the two separate issues that we're talking about and 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 how they affect. Uh, communities and society in general, especially in my country. I think that there, there, there are politicians that are doing that right now, 
but the the education like stops at the policy making. I think it has to go much deeper than that, and then they have to realise that they're so far removed from these issues that they can only rely on people like me to then ad adapt policies, to to change laws, to uh, highlight the issues that are needing addressed the most, and then and then do things from there. I think from the ground up is the only way that you can address the, these issues that are ingrained in society for decades now. These aren't just issues that have happened overnight and they won't be changed overnight. So working together and, and actually listening to what we're saying or, or what we're trying to achieve um, would go a long way to start with, I think. Um, we're activists, so I think that uh, just the very word um, instills fear in any politician. Because, uh, <laughs> <That's true. laughs> yeah. so, but um, and initially, people were 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 quite standoffish because of that fact. And even now, I have a very good friend who works in the National Health Service, and he says that we will have you around the table and we'll work with you, but you you need to remove the, the activism from the group. And I said, I says that's the fundamental part of what we do. I says. As things get better, that will change over time. But we we cannot not just sit there and, and address the issues that we, we're facing ourselves. It's us that's living those issues, so we're best placed to address them. So yeah, I suppose um, that would go a long way to start. And then obviously um, where they filter money and how they distribute funding that's set aside for these issues needs to change drastically. And they need to be um, looking at the services that already exist and ones that are duplicating things in the same places and, and either trying to get them adapt to do different di different things or remove them and, and let other people take their place and, and, and fund them that way. But, um, yeah, I don't know. There's not many politicians that like me. I've got a couple of politician friends that do, but, um, yeah, I'm a, a bit of a... A disruptor, would you, I would like to say. There's other words that people would call me, but yeah, I think that's the nicest one I could say on your well, podcast. But you know what, though? Uh, but I think that that's important, particularly when you have a very rigid system and they're not willing to understand from the people that, that live this every day and know the truth and know what's going on. And and dis they have to the, – the, their basic thought processes have to be changed. For example, for example, you talked about – Earlier, and I know in previous conversations I've had with you, you've talked about this whole idea of harm reduction. And in the recovery world, not just in Scotland, in the, the UK, but, but here in the US, there's a, a big movement on harm reduction. And mm -hmm. for listeners that may not be familiar with harm reduction, that's the concept that what we're going to do is we are going to reduce whatever your use is. So if you're using, let's say, a, a particular drug, let's just take heroin, for example. Um, a, reduce the amount and then and then change that drug to something else. So like in the case of heroin, we'll move over to methadone. Okay, so we'll use methadone instead of using heroin because that's less harmful. That's the idea of harm reduction. But like we mm -hmm. talked about earlier, the problem with that is it is still using. That is not sobriety. Mm -hmm. And that is mm -hmm. still damaging. It may be less damaging and less deadly, but it's not not damaging. It is it is damaging, and mm -hmm. and it seems to me. And correct me if I'm wrong in this, but there seems to be uh, a, a, an idea with the National Health Service 
that we are just going to maintain harm reduction and we're not going to eliminate the drug. And one of the differences that I, I see between America and the UK, if I will, and again, this is just my observation and correct me mm -hmm. if I'm wrong. And this is where I think the, you know, the, the government over there needs to take a harder look at this is there needs to be the goal, the end goal. Okay. What's your end goal in recovery? Your end goal has to be uh, abstinence. It has to be, the goal has to be, I am not going to use drugs, period. Because complete sobriety means I am not using anything that is going to alter my mood or my state. Okay. And so, you know, I'm sorry for the people that are out there that are big proponents of marijuana. You know, I, I we have that here in the States. I get it. That's a whole nother issue. That's a whole nother podcast, but I'm, I'm not a big proponent of that because that is still altering your state. Sobriety is sobriety. And that has to be the end goal that, uh, yes, you can use harm reduction to wean people off and get them there, but you've got to get to the point to where abstinence is the goal because only then are people not dependent upon these drugs that are ruining their lives. And um, I, I, am I wrong in assuming that that that, that, that where you are, um, you know, in Scotland, that there's more of an emphasis on harm reduction than there is just eliminating the drug altogether? I, am I correct no, about that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're absolutely right. I, I mean, when we were doing the drugs commission, um, they were there was a, a drive then for uh, the service that exists to try and uh, address the issue of the drug-related deaths and things like that. And the harm reduction then became a big thing again. And, and, and that has been for a long time. And it, to me, it's maintaining the end result of addiction. Yeah. Like, so you're at the, the very last stages. When, when, you're, when you're helping somebody or enabling them when they're a chaotic drug user, the next step is death. So it's the end result. They're not going to the root of the problem. And although I agree that there has to be... Um, a degree of harm reduction, especially for the wider community as well. I think that the, the focus has been on the end result for a very, very long time um, of addiction and, and not the start of the recovery journey. Um, I think that, um, that we went to Westminster and the, the they want to decriminalise drugs so they can open um, uh, safe injecting rooms. So um, I'm not a big fan of them. I was, uh, I'm, I'm not either. Yeah, I was an I was an intravenous drug user, and I think that if they existed um, when I was a user, um, I would be going there, and it would be to get better, and it would even be to engage with anybody. I think um, there's there's many people that are advocating for it, and I can see that I see the logic behind that, and I can see in other places they have it, and and it works well. But the, the, their whole system of care has been overhauled, so they're not only uh, introducing the safe injection rooms; they're in, they're overhauling the whole system at, at that point, and that hasn't happened here, and I don't think it ever will. So, um, bring a safe injection room into an already chaotic. Um, system of care that isn't working we know it isn't working because people are still dying so bringing that into that i just think is adding fuel to the fire but some people believe that's a part of the solution i just think it's part adding to part of the problem and yeah um, i'm not i've not made many good many friends with that opinion either but to me um everybody i spoke to 
that that say they get the, the when they do the research for these things they speak to people that are already in treatment so these people are reliant on a service that is providing um uh, opiate replacement or, or or whatever else that treatment they're getting so the opinions that they're given uh they're they're, they're scared to speak out um, against what the questions or, or the information they're trying to prize from the people. So they will just agree with, with the narrative because uh, they're scared they'll lose their treatment, their spot on treatment, or they'll be um, punished in some way, which happens quite a lot and has done for, for a very long time. So I think that uh, the studies done on that are very small and they're not, 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 not part of the, the bigger picture. And... Um, I, I get worried that that might be the the way it's going. We've already had um, a guy in Glasgow who, um, more power to him, has started a, a, a created a safe injecting area in a, a vehicle, um, uh, uh, with the possibility of him being arrested and getting in trouble because obviously it's it's not legal. But um, I just I, I just can't see how that is going to uh, help us get to the solution, get to the to the part where people are getting better, they're being productive members of society, the children are not losing parents and, and brothers and sisters and things like that. And I, I don't think that will be uh, the solution. As I said right at the start of the question, the focus here is on harm reduction and the end result of addiction. So the, the, the next step, the step before you're dying. And I think that that's very short-sighted in my view. And yeah, because they're not uh, – it's not that I'm against giving people an alternative to doing something very dangerous, you know, dirty needles mm. or, or being in a very dangerous place. You know, of course, yeah, yeah. We, you know, and that's that's a role of government, and that is – you know, the role of government is to protect the people and, and keep them safe. You know, I, I understand that. My, my mm. argument is – that while they're doing that with what they're not doing is bringing people into a safe place and then reducing them and weaning them off and then pointing to the larger picture, which is uh, weaning them completely off with the goal of making them abstinent from drugs and alcohol. Yeah. And and that's that's the step that seems to be missing is, yeah, okay, we brought you into a safe place, but now – but but now what are we just are you going to be doing at thirty years from now? Am I going to be see you seeing you come in here into this this room, or thirty years from now am I going to see somebody that's clean and sober and they don't they don't follow on to that that next point? Mm -hmm. No, you say it much better than I do, but I totally agree with you. I think that there's no exit plan for for any of it, and right. I think I think that um uh, obviously the NHS doing a, an amazing job and and helping support people, but I think that the knowledge and understanding of addiction and and what that entails, and then of course the recovery journey has moved on significantly, and I think that we are still in limbo here that that's not changed very much, and um, everybody's looking for answers and. Uh, people will b come to the forefront with with solutions, and if there's money to be made off them solutions, I think that they're more inclined to choose that solution than uh, one that might mean uh, they're not that they're not benefiting um, f from or profiting from uh, that. Because I see um, treatment here as big business for for many companies and and pharm pharmacies and things like that, and it's not in their best interest to have. 
uh, everybody that's going to the pharmacy every day clean, sober and in recovery. So, yeah, uh, uh, that opens a big can of worms, that question, actually. <laughs> well, and you know what? And for people that are in that that room, and that's where the conversation needs to, to take place with mm-hmm. the leaders of these companies and with government officials, is that my contention is that if they are worried about not making money, they don't have to worry because there's plenty of uh, customers out there. Mm-hmm. Um for you know, you don't have to worry about getting people off of drugs because there's always going to be more people that are on drugs. There's plenty exactly. of work out there. They don't yeah. have to worry about that. And then um, you know, people that are making money, I get it. That's what they're motivated by. But for you politicians that are out there, for you government officials that are out there, you need to do a deep soul search of yourself and ask yourself: Is it about pe- these people making money? Is it about you making money, or is your uh, obligation to your nation and to your community is it for their safety and is it for their well-being and that's what you need to ask yourself is am i here to make money or am i here is a trustee of the people and a protector of the people and they need to ask themselves that and and do that deep soul search because mm-hmm. that to me is is what it's all about it cannot be about the money because uh, if if you are listening to this and you're one of those people that is in that realm of of making money off of other people's suffering, that that's evil, and um, th- there's a price to be paid for that, and there there's an opportunity to you know use methadone, use these drugs to help people, and there's nothing wrong with making a profit off of that. I'm not I'm not condemning people and how they make their living. But what no. I'm saying is that these drugs were designed to help people get better. And the way you use them can be used in ways that just perpetuates their suffering. And that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. And you need and you need to ask yourself, are we using these tools to help or are we using these tools to harm? That's the question. Yeah, it's um, a harm reduction when you flip it on that side and, and talk about it like that. It seems like the, uh, harm reduction has caused more harm than uh, stopping harm. So it's uh, it's, uh, it's a very difficult and uh, controversial topic here, actually. I but get, it shouldn't um, be controversial. Uh, you're no. right. I agree that it is, but it shouldn't be. I know. I think um, I, I get some. Sometimes get. I've had, I had a hard time in the past because of my opinion on harm reduction and how, how that's utilised. But for me, it's a stepping stone. It shouldn't be a solution. And I think that um, it's got lost to in the in the last three decades that, that harm reduction is there as a solution. And, and the people that don't understand addiction and recovery, they, they see that as a solution as well because it gets people off the street. They're not seeing people walking about that are under the influence. They're not affected by it. And, and if they're not seeing it, then they don't have to deal with it. And I understand I understand it totally. I can see it from both sides. I've got children and and, and uh, the risks to them are immense and, and I, I can see the logic behind it, but it's went on for too long. And I think that uh, society and profit can be made from people in recovery much more than they can from people in addiction. Mm-hmm. If, if I'm truthful, they're more productive. They make money, as you say, they're paying the taxes and and they, they can be activists and cha- be social changers and, 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 and do a lot of good for, for some really, really deprived areas but um that 
the, the lack of understanding of recovery in the process means that people don't, don't see that. They don't see the bigger picture. And I suppose I've been gifted, I'll say gifted, sometimes it's not a gift, but I've been able to see the bigger picture. Like I don't just see what's in front of me now. I see what could happen in five years, 10 years, 20 years. And uh, if we're not doing what we're doing now, then this issue we're talking about now, we'll be speaking about it again in 20 years and it won't have changed. It won't have changed. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Well, Sharon, you are certainly doing uh, a powerful work, powerful work. And uh, I certainly wish you all of the best. Thank I, I you. Really do. Thank you. Andrew, it's, it's been great, <laughs> been great to, to connect with you. And I'm sure that, that we'll have a, a lot more conversations in the future. And um, you absolutely. keep up the good work as well. And um, keep up the podcast and keep getting the word out there too. Well, you keep your head up, and you keep uh, you know, keep your head on a swivel for all the people that are after you over there. And, uh, <laughs> and, and what I will, hey, for and I will say that those that um, are attacking Sharon for the work that she's doing, uh, just really do a soul search yourself, and then ask yourself this. And I'll, I'll just say it one more time: uh, ask yourself, what are you doing to help the problem, as opposed to uh, attacking someone th- that is working to to solve the problem. And, and that's really what it comes down to is this is all hands on deck. This is uh, getting as much help out there as we can. And I, I personally applaud you, Sharon, and, and the work that you guys are doing in, in uh, Recovery Dundee because it's, it's certainly a, um, it's a larger work. It's, a, it's, a, it's an important work, and, and hopefully you can get more support to help. So with that, we'll, we'll go ahead and bring this to a close. And I just want to thank you again for joining us, Sharon. And so as I'd always like to say, uh, I don't represent any group. I don't represent anyone other than myself. And uh, my only purpose in giving this information is to share with you what I've done because it's helped me and maybe some of the information that Sharon Sharon and I have talked about today will help you as well. If you've not begun your recovery journey, today's a really good day to start. And uh, contact people like Sharon, contact people like me to help provide you with resources that you need in order to get the help. So with uh, what we do in recovery, we help ourselves along the way and we help to impart the knowledge we have gained to others as well. That's what we're doing here is just, you know, we're not perfect. We're just telling you what we've done to get into recovery and help our community and and maybe that will help you as as well. So with that, please visit our Facebook page. Recovery is possible and our website, vanmeterwellnesssolutions.com. Let me know how I'm doing and let me know if there's a topic that you're interested in hearing. I'd love to hear from you and uh, take care and we will see you guys next time.